Happy Tuesday. That's right. It's a Tuesday. We are coming at you with a special edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name is Alex Reamer. Don't worry. We'll be back this Saturday as scheduled. We're not going anywhere. We've been published every Saturday since we launched this innocent project, this humble project, 12 weeks ago. We'll be back there in our usual spot this weekend, but wanted to come at you with a special edition on the show today because when I joined out sports in January, yes, I, of course, was enthralled about covering LGBT issues in sports, but more broadly, I was enthralled about covering LGBT issues in general because as I've grown older, my gay identity has become a larger part of my identity, and it was just so exciting for me to work somewhere where I could express that. And as the coronavirus has paused the sports world indefinitely, we've done a lot more of those kind of topics on this show from talking about uh, the coronavirus's impact on the LGBT community from a medical standpoint to talking about uh, whether gay bars and safe spaces will survive after the coronavirus pandemic. So we've kind of gone a few different areas, and I wanted to keep that up for the show today uh, because for those who watch RuPaul's Drag Race, or even for those who don't, this has been such a big story, uh, I admittedly am a new watcher, a new devo- a, a new fan of Ru. Uh, I am late to everything, but I started to watch it religiously during this quarantine, and this past Friday night, uh, Jeff Goldblum, of course, the major TV star, the star of Jurassic Park, was a guest judge, and like all guest judges, he gave his thoughts on the contestants' runway performances, and one of the contestants this year is a queen who goes by Jackie Cox, and she is uh, Iranian. She talks about her Persian background all the time. It is a big part of her identity on the show, and on this past Friday's program, the runway theme was Stars and Stripes. So Jackie Cox wore a blue starry hijab. She walked down the runway and looked fabulous, I might add, and then it came time for the judge's commentary, and Jeff Goldblum, in his comments, wondered aloud, and I'll quote directly, "'Isn't this an interesting wrinkle?' he said. "'Is there something in this religion,' meaning Islam,' That is anti-homosexuality and anti-women. Does that complicate the issue? I'm just raising it and thinking out loud and maybe being stupid. Now, Rue, probably recognizing the what was about to happen, quickly interjected and said, Oh, drag has always been a platform to push the envelope. Um, and Jackie Cox responded in kind as well, I think quite eloquently, saying, I have my own issues with how LGBT people are treated In the Middle East, you can be Middle Eastern, you can be Muslim, you can still be American. And then she got into talking about the Muslim ban and the effect it had on her and her family. Um, But basically, this has caused a major controversy in the LGBT Muslim community. Jeff Goldblum saying, asking Jackie Cox, is there something in your religion that is anti-homosexuality and anti-women. And a number of op-eds have been written about this over the last few days. I think one of the smarter ones comes from a young writer by the name of Samer Hassan, uh, who writes for Muslim.co. And the, na- and the title of the op-ed is, Hey Jeff Goldblum, what you said on RuPaul's Drag Race is really Islamophobic. And just real quick to go on what my initial reactions were of the comments and 
what I thought prior to talking to Samer was, eh, this is not my experience, but is this a bit overblown? I mean, Jeff Goldblum is a judge on Drag Race. Obviously, he is for LGBT rights. When we think of oppressive Muslim regimes, we think of the Middle East and Saudi Arabia and Iran, and we think of you know, all the LGBT persecution there. So, you know, my initial reaction was, oh, Jeff Goldblum asked a fair question. What's up with the outrage? Well, let me just say that Samer was so phenomenal, so phenomenal in our conversation, so educational, and really explaining why Jeff Goldblum's comments were wrong and not cool and perpetuate negative discriminatory stereotypes. So I'll stop blabbing, get to the conversation. Uh, it, it is a great, great interview with Samer Hassan. Uh, again, I highly encourage you to read his op-ed and listen to the interview. It's coming up next on a special edition of the Sports Kiki. And welcome back. It is a special weekday edition of the Sports Kiki podcast. On the phone lines, we have Samer Hassan, who is a contributing writer to Muslim. He works for the Young Invincibles as well, which is a great group that gives a voice to those in uh, minority communities that don't usually have a voice in politics and public policy. Uh, He wrote a really great op-ed on Muslim titled, Hey, Jeff Goldblum, what you saw in RuPaul's Drag Race is really Islamophobic. Uh, thanks for coming on the show and helping us uh, talk more about this issue. Thank you for having me on your show, Alex. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's it's certainly an interesting discussion, and it sparked, of course, a lot of uh, a lot of back and forth in our community the last few days. And, and basically, for those who don't know, and I explained it before you hopped on the line, but basically, Jackie Cox, uh, one of the queens in in RuPaul's Drag Race this year. Uh, wore a blue starry hijab um, and a red and white stripped uh, caftan uh, during her uh, runway performance. And Jeff Goldblum, like all the judges, commented on the performance and then kind of wandered out loud saying, uh, is there something in this religion, referring to Islam, that is anti-homosexuality and anti-women? And he asked Jackie if that complicates the issue. I guess my first question is, uh, Samer, as an LGBT uh, Muslim, what, what what were your thoughts on Jeff Goldblum's comment, and what, what was the gist of the op-ed that you that you published? Uh, basically, my thoughts um, were just those of disappointment, as in this happens a lot, as in the fact that Islam is always um, given this double standard in regards to Western society and American society. And what I wrote about in my op-ed with uh, Muslim.com was that we're sick of it. <laughs> we're sick we're sick of being regarded as a religion that does not appreciate women and that like hates women and that hates um the LGBT community. And I'm here to mm-hmm. say that that's just simply incorrect. It's not true. I exist. I'm a Muslim gay man and I am out and proud and I am accepted and I know many, many others that are in that same community that are thinking the same thing. Like, you know, we're we're part of this supposedly non-existent demographic that needs to be liberated. And it's, it's, it's incorrect. So I shared Jackie Cox's frustration when Jeff Goldblum approached her with those questions. Well, I mean, Jackie in her, in his response, uh, you know, I think was very eloquent. But one thing that, you know, he said was, 
It's a complex issue. I have my own issues with how LGBT people are treated in the Middle East. So he's acknowledging that there are issues with how LGBT people are treated in predominantly Muslim Middle Eastern countries, some of which do govern by Sharia law. Do you agree with that statement? Do I agree with the statement that some governments use religion to justify um, evil tendencies? Yes, I agree with that notion. Mm -hmm. However, um, I just want to point to the fact that there are several, many, many gay communities that are thriving in the Middle East. So to paint that picture, to lump the entire religion into just one gigantic ball of 1.8 billion people is a recipe Mm -hmm. for inaccuracy. Why do you still have this portrayal of the Muslim community? As you mentioned, it's by far the biggest organized religion in the world, over a billion people. Why is there this perception? Because, you know, I think the extreme ends of any religion, whether it's Judaism, Christianity, certainly, I think all extreme sects of religion persecute LGBT people, women, etc. I don't, I don't think the Islamic faith is, is, is unique in that aspect. It's all religions when you go to the extremist sect. Yes, I, I agree with you. I mean, there's a very small minority within every single religion that, that takes the sacred text quite literally and completely out of context. And I'm here to say that we need to go past that. The American, the American um, like society and culture is fed this, this, this media that shows, I'm, I'm sorry, is fed by the media this, um, like this perception that Muslims don't respect women that Muslims don't respect the LGBT community. And it's wrong. Mm -hmm. It's incorrect. And we have to educate ourselves on that. And that's why I felt so strongly enough to write an op-ed within a couple hours after watching the show. And I study study policy at at Columbia. I study study politics. And here I am going and talking about or writing about a RuPaul's drag race. (laughs) That tells you how much this has seeped into... Um, that this has seeped into everyday life. And that is why we need to educate ourselves. I think it is so inaccurate and incorrect to say that, well, doesn't Islam um, have a problem with with women and misogyny? Did you know that there's like, I think I I can go down a list of majority Muslim nations that have female um, heads of state. We have Pakistan, we have Bangladesh, we have Turkey, we have Senegal, Indonesia, Kyrgyzstan, Mali, Kosovo. They have all had female heads of state. How many female heads of state have we had in America? So I think we need to look to our own borders. Well, hold on. And, who's and, the, and the yeah. yeah. Sorry, go I, ahead. I, I, who's the female head of state in Turkey? I said past female heads oh, of okay. state. Her name was Tom Siller. Right. She was the prime minister of Turkey. Right. But, you know, you mentioned Pakistan, though. You know, homosexuality is illegal in Pakistan, correct? Um, I don't quite know if it is exactly illegal. It is. I don't want to give you a wrong answer. Yeah. Um, but I know that um, uh, the, her name was uh, Benazir Bhutto. She was the prime minister of Pakistan. 
you know, I, I think what, you know, the question, I think what Jeff Goldblum was trying to raise and, 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 you know, and I'm curious to get your point, obviously, as to whether this is something you've experienced with and, you know, your thoughts on it is I think, you know, Jackie Cox on the show has been very vocal about her Persian heritage. She mentions it, you know, regularly and, you know, kind of how she's had to balance that, especially with the xenophobia coming from the White House and the Muslim ban, which she referenced as well in Friday's show. But, you know, when I saw that live, I thought that Jeff Goldblum was questioning how you can be LGBT and embrace your Muslim religion, which, you know, I think the stereotype of that in America is, you know, we think of Saudi Arabia and a lot of these other restrictive countries, including Iran. Do you think that's a fair question to ask? Do you think even posing that question is kind of discriminatory in and of itself because we wouldn't ask for example somebody coming from a catholic home necessarily how they how they couple their lgbt uh you know their lgbt identity and their and their faith i think posing that question in the first place is um is where the challenge um here in life because uh for, for me i mean like this is an opportunity for growth for us if you wanna if you wanna um, there's a difference, you know, to be critical of a religion. I completely agree. You should completely uh, be critical of everything. I am critical of everything in this planet. However, there's a difference between being critical and outright just ignorant and somewhat hostile. You don't, you don't say this to a, like a wonderful performance by an amazing drag queen um, who is who's a practicing Christian. You don't say, oh, that was great, but yeah. what about that one sect of Christianity that despises homosexuals and, and lesbians and thinks transgender individuals are an, abomin- right. an abomination. But, but that was great, though. What it, see, do you understand why? For me, it's like, what? what? <laughs> this has nothing to do with it. Here's a proud Muslim, uh, Muslim drag queen performing in front of basically the world to show, look, here we are. We exist. We are powerful. And we are committed to changing these stereotypes of, of, of Muslims in America, especially in America. And the right. first thing they say to her um, after an amazing performance was, um, isn't, this, isn't this kind of problematic or um, doesn't this complicate the issue? Or um, like, it, like it doesn't like they don't they're not very compatible with each other. Right. No, that, that's not that's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's great to get your perspective because admittedly as, you know, a white, I mean, I grew up, you know, pretty much agnostic, but you know, as I was watching Rue on Friday night and I saw Jeff ask that question, to be honest, Samer, I I didn't think much of it. I thought, oh, like that seems to be a fairly appropriate question because we know, you know, how oppressive some of these countries that governed by Sharia law are for Muslim people. And, you know, is that something that Jackie Cox has to back When he asked the question, I thought it was a perfectly appropriate question to ask, but you're saying, and it is making me change a little bit. You're saying that, you know, that question probably would not have been posed to somebody who let's say grew up in an Orthodox Jewish household where let's, you know, you look at the Hasidim, a far sect of Judaism, very oppressive to people or, you know, Christianity again, go on down the line. You think that even asking that question again, just kind of is unfair because it is using the minority of Muslim people and propping them up as a majority. Correct. And I just want to correct you 
Um, you know, it's not the countries that rule these people. It is the governments that rule the countries. And governments mm-hmm. have done horrible, evil, evil things to their citizens from day one. So I believe the vast majority of these countries' citizens are accepting and loving and wonderful people. And it sets us back. It pushes us, it pushes us back into an era where we fought so hard to get out of. Now, you can ask questions. There's nothing wrong with being critical. Once again, you can ask questions. However, it is the way you ask them in the first place that have implications. For a public figure like Jeff Goldblum, to say, yes. to say, um, to say things like this, they might have implications. You are a public figure. You have a large following. People will listen to you. When Trump talked about, <laughs> when he talked about his... Um, ingesting those, um, you know, Clorox and Lysol or whatever, that, those have implications. It doesn't matter what your intentions are. Your actions have implications. What are some of the implications, you think, from that question that uh, Jeff raised Friday night on Drag Race? I think it perpetuates a stereotype that once again shows, um, or that people think it shows, that Islam is not compatible with the West that Islam is not compatible, uh, that Islam does not support women, that Islam does not support the LGBTQ m- movement. So many people love getting Rumi quotes, for example. Rumi, the wonderful um, um, Muslim poet that lived, in the, that lived in the, I think, like 13th century. Um, everyone loves to get quotes of him, on, like tattoos of him. But they also re- do they realize that he was a very out gay man who was in love with many other men who was also extremely piously Muslim. They just, you know, strategically think to not think about that in the first place. That's the problem. I think we need to stay, take a step back and look at the bigger picture here. That it behooves us to understand a bigger concept. Take a step back and look at it through a different lens. And what's, and what's the lens we should be looking at this issue? Well, I'm a fan of higher education, so I would say an educated lens. I would, I would say <laughs> read up. <laughs> so I would say, well, share that with us. Let's educate us, Samir. <laughs> well, I would what's say, the, what's um, the educated way to view this? Edu- Sorry, say it again. I was saying, no, so educate us. educated read way? Well, yeah, read us on the best way to pose this question and, and, and discuss this topic. I think the best way to pose this topic and to pose this this question would be like I know have, some things have happened in the past that where the religion has been justified or has been used to justify specific actions. All religions have been justified, have been used to justify specific actions. Now, what right. went wrong in that specific instance, and how do we go about trying to change that mentality? Is how something that you can approach a topic like this. I know that Christianity, uh, even to this day, uses uses the famous, you know, but the Bible says it's an abomination. Now, does that stop many Christian gays from believing in the religion? No. For them, it just shows that, okay, there are some people within my religion that think this way, but I don't, and my community doesn't, and I have found a loving and accepting community that um, th- that is there for me, and God teaches us love. So mm-hmm. where is the problem here? Where is the inherent problem here? How has religion been used to right. justify terrible acts? Right. 
Yeah, I and you've I seen that across properly. Let me know if I didn't. No, I think it's interesting, and it's absolutely right. I mean, religion, all sex religion, since the beginning of time, has been used as a veil for people to hide their bigotry under. One hundred percent agree with you. I one hundred percent agree with you. I I challenge people and I encourage people read the Quran, read the Quran, look at all the wonderful policies and and movements and groups of people that are that are fighting for transformational change in the Middle East to try to get out of that stereotype that many Western societies love to use. And that stereotype is that we are a backward people, that we are barbarians fighting each other and fighting each other in the desert. And a lot of people don't realize that Western societies have have had a direct, direct hand in creating the modern Muslim world. And right. even even that notion is so like nuanced. What the hell is the Muslim world? There are so many different countries that are majority Muslim, and not one of them practice Islam the same way. Not one of them uses Islam the same way. That is what people need to understand. That there are so many countries that are majority Catholic, majority Christian, and they all have their own different ways of of practicing it. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that is the lens that we need to take a look at. I think that double standard only pushes us back. And instead of trying to understand others, instead of trying to, uh, to talk to your neighbor, to go to a mosque and educate yourself or talk to the imam or go to a church and educate yourself and, and realize that the vast majority of people are wonderful and loving and kind and accepting. Now, that, yeah. is, the true nature of, that is the true nature of these religions. Yeah. I think that's so true. That's why I was furious. I'm, I'm sorry, but that's why I was so just disappointed. It's like, come on, man. You're a public figure. People listen to you. Whether you like it or not, or whether you're serious or not, it doesn't matter anymore because your life is in front of a camera now. You have yeah. so many cameras in front of you on RuPaul's Drag Race, and every single one of them said, oh, yeah, that looks good. Definitely put it, play it. Who said that? Well, I, I and and listen, I think you are obviously far more educated on the issue than most people, myself included. I guess just what I would offer as a defense of Jeff Goldblum's question, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, is, you know, I think in mainstream American culture, when people think of, especially someone like Jackie Cox, whose family comes from Iran, they think of Saudi Arabia, where women aren't allowed to drive. They think of Sharia law. They think of, you know, stoning gays in the streets, homosexuality punishable by death. They think of that extremist version of, 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 of you know, the, the Muslim faith that these governments prop on its people. And I think, you know, someone like Jeff Goldblum maybe goes, okay, so you talk about Iranian heritage, obviously very strict anti-LGBT laws in Iran. How do you balance those two things? I, I feel like he was maybe coming from more of an innocent perspective or do you think that just ignorance is not an excuse in that in that end? I think Jeff Goldblum is very educated. I think he's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't believe he has the luxury to be to be as ignorant as he may have purported to be. That's the problem. I, I think once again, like you know, you talk about these these minority sects of Islam, Wahhabism, give me a break. Like uh, trust me, I am 
I am the Saudi government's like biggest enemy. Like that is a it is a right. terrible government that needs to be toppled. However, I also understand that people's lives are at stake, and I also understand that these governments are being propped up by these Western countries right. that purport to say that they need reform. Right? Do you want, like for me? It's like this giant game of of, of irony. And yeah, that is what that people makes... need to be educated on. And for him to to say, to equate it to, but isn't it misogynistic? Isn't it um, kind of like, you know, anti-homosexual? Well, I would challenge himself to, to, to be, um, become educated. I would love to educate him. I would definitely give him some, um, some readings of, of, you know, of Arab Muslim um, um, scholars in the past. There's a lot of that. I think um, one of them I would definitely recommend uh, Kanafani to him. He wrote about he wrote about nationalism. He wrote about anti-colonialism. He he wrote about how a society's mind changes when they are under occupation, when they feel like they are powerless. First stages mm-hmm. would be would be you know you feel like you are nothing. You actually feel and believe that you are inferior to um, to the other to the other people that are in power over you, and a lot of that still holds true in many Muslim countries that are just getting out of that of that colonial period in time. People don't realize that the Sykes-Picot Agreement was in the early 1900s, and the vast majority of those governments are still in power today. Those governments that were given power by Western democracy. Right. Governments that had no that had no anti gay, anti LGBT any law before before um before these Western countries came and took over them. They had none. After the British and French started taking over these countries and propped up these these governments and made them in the forms that they wanted them to become, then all of a sudden you start seeing a lot of misogynistic laws. Then all of a sudden you start seeing a lot of anti-homosexual laws. Why is that entirely? For for me, that poses a challenge in the question to tell people like, okay, so there's a problem here. We're not looking at it through the lens that we should be looking at it. Sorry, so, I go on tangents for, for no, it's it's hours. no, it's it's very it's very interesting because I even think of Iran, which and where from um, Samir. Sorry, you you cut off. Where, where is your family from? Hello, I'm from Hello? Palestine. Palestine. Okay. Hello? Hello. Can you hear you? Are, are we all Hi. right? Yeah. Yeah, um, I can hear you. Sorry, there's a thunderstorm. <laughs> oh no, the, the hits keep on coming here. Um. <laughs> So no, so to go off what you said, so to go to Jackie Cox, she's from Iran, and and tell us a little bit about the history of Iran. We had the Shah, who was American-backed, and then overthrown by the Ayatollah, which of course put in this very strict Islamic law. But that was, you know, kind of a people's revolution, though. So what's, I guess, walk us through the history of Iran in particular to that, since that's where Jackie's is from, her family is from. I think where people begin to think of Iran is directly the problem. They start okay. thinking about Iran as only existing as after the, the, the revolution of the 70s. What so many, and I would argue, the absolute vast majority of Americans don't know, unfortunately, 
is that Iran had a wonderful democracy blooming in the 1950s where they, where they democratically voted in a man that was going to nationalize their oil industry. That, pres- that president, or the prime minister, I believe, I'm sorry, I forgot his name, but people yeah. don't realize that he was assassinated by the American government. Right. And so we could take the oil. So we could. So, so we, many. Exactly. Right. So we can have a monopoly on that oil. It is not in the best interest of, of, of America or just the Western general for a country to nationalize their oil. Why do you think we hate Venezuela so much? <laughs> exactly. Because socialism, of course. Come on. Uh, wow. <laughs> More than These that. are the questions that people need to ask, and that is what I, I have a problem with. And that is why seeing things, just going back to the, to the RuPaul incident, just going, yeah. um, things like this, they keep happening. And that is, that is, the, the, that, is that shared struggle and, and shared annoyance that I'm sure millions of, of, of LGBTQ Muslims feel when this happens again and again and again. It's like they look at us like a walking contradiction, and that's what I have a problem with. But how can you be gay and Muslim? Don't they, like, kill you people? Like, no. <laughs> that's the problem. No. Well, they Many do. LGBTQ members of society. Okay, um, yeah, I mean, they, that happens. That happens. But right. the vast majority are living wonderfully and thriving and are powerful and influential or living their lives to their right. best. However, you know, it's, it's those small incidents that make the media post. I guess it's because... But we have to I... also look to our own borders. When, when, like, we have so many transgender individuals being murdered in this country. Now, are we, are we antiquating that with Christianity? Right. No, I, I think that's, that's so accurate. I guess the main question is when you the problem is from a media representation standpoint, the Muslim world and American mainstream press is represented through Saudi Arabia, Iran, war in the Middle East, the Taliban, and that's pretty much it. So even though that percentage wise is such a is a small sect of the Muslim world, that is the only real representation we have of the Muslim world in our media. And that's where I think a lot of people, Jeff Goldblum, and I'll even say myself prior to talking to you, I mean, have that idea because that's the only representation we see from our media. And that is the double standard that I want to highlight, that there are 1.8 billion Muslims. And to, to use the actions of 0.000001% of them, uh, to to all of a sudden lump all of them together into this same type of mentality, that is the problem. That is inaccurate, and that only brings us back, pushes us back. I'm sorry. Another we question can't I did want. Doing that. Yeah, ask away. Go ahead. Yeah, the last thing I did want to ask you is: you have a line in your op-ed. To be clear, there are millions of queer Muslims around the world whose existences are threatened not by their community but by a Western society that believes they are walking contradictions, yearning to be liberated from oppressive regimes. I know you touched on this a little bit, but what, what do you mean by that more specifically? Um, yearning to be liberated by oppressive regimes. It is, that, is what we, that is what Western societies believe, these, um, uh, uh, what we believe LGBTQ society needs. 
that they yearn for it, that they need to be liberated. Like, please come and save us. We have this, like, there's this, like, white savior syndrome here with America going on. Like, oh, no, we have to save them. It's our duty, right? That's, yeah. that's the American mentality. Like, we are defenders of freedom. That's what we grew up on. Right. Say the Pledge of Allegiance, and, and you fight for freedom. You, you go to other countries that you have never heard of in your life because you're freeing those people. Did those people ask you to be freed, or, those, or did those people ask you to just take your hands off of them so they can finally breathe? That is the liberation I'm talking about. So interesting. I'm so happy we had caught this conversation. Free us from yourselves. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, and, and, you know, and the thing is, and to keep going back to, again, let's just say Saudi Arabia, who's a bigger proponent of the Saudi government than the United States of America? Whether it's Donald Trump in the exactly. Oval Office, Barack Obama, doesn't matter. We prop up that regime more than anybody and the hatred they spew towards LGBT people and women. Exactly. The, the Saudi government is a problem here. But how quickly will they topple it when if America finally uses its, its own mentality of we have to save these people? What happens when America finally says, says no to Israeli occupation? What happens when America says, says no to, um, to propping up the Wahhabi government? Imagine, imagine a world when, when we don't shove ourselves in the business of other people. But now, but the, this is the problem, however. But now that we have put ourselves in, in the business of other nations, now we have to try to do something to solve the problem, whether, whether it's a different type of support, whether it's a different, perhaps like a cultural type of exchange. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not purporting to know this answer, but I'm telling yeah. you what we're doing right now is not, is not, going, is not working at all. No. Are, we, are we truly a more peaceful society? Are we truly a, more, a happier society now that America has, has hundreds of military bases around the world? No, we're not. No, we are Whoa. not. Well, I think you see that too. This pandemic is the greatest threat to our security we faced in a century, and yet we are left mm -hmm. utterly defenseless against it, amazingly, despite all of our military bases. So I think yes. that... Uh, all, yeah. <laughs> all the military I, in the world, the most powerful military in the world. And here we are. We can't even protect our neighbor. We have our neighbors I, dying, dying around each other they, one day at a time. Like people I know are dying. Columbia University is closed and looks like a ghost town because we can't save each other now. That is the problem. That is the problem that we need to solve. Not going into a country, giving it billions of dollars to prop up its, its military so they can continue to perpetuate an oppressive regime towards the other. That's not how you solve this problem of world peace. You are doing the complete opposite. And another line I did want to throw at you, too, that you wrote was, we don't need to be liberated from our Muslim communities. We need to be liberated from ignorant statements like those of Goldblum and others. As a counter to that, though, I would say that Jeff Goldblum, you know, was expressing support for the LGBT community, um, though, you know, in, admittedly in kind of an ignorant way. But why, why, does Jeff, why does Jeff Goldblum offering, you know, why, why is Jeff Goldblum's comment in your opinion, more, I, I guess the best question is, what, what are you trying to say there with that line? Because I think Goldblum, though, again, he was ignorant, was trying to express support for LGBT people. If, 
if that's if that's how you try to to express support for the LGBT people, can you imagine when you're not trying to express support? Can you imagine how that will look like? For if you, can you can you repeat the question actually? Well, no, I, I mean, I, I was kind of rambling as well. Um, I'm intimidated when I'm talking with someone who's so much smarter than I am. I do have to admit. Um, <laughs> I am not smarter than anyone on this planet, I promise you. Oh, you're very, very well. No, it's been a great, a great conversation. But like when Jeff Goldblum asked that question, my my first interpretation of it was, oh, he is somebody who's very supportive of the gay community. I mean, he's a drag on drag. He's a drug on drag race, for crying out loud. And he's trying to ask <laughs> Jackie Cox, you know, how how he how 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 he couples being gay at so being muslim but you know but he's ignorant totally of of the muslim faith and the majority of muslims but i still view that as him trying to support the lgbt community in a backwards way but you but it seems like he was doing more harm to the muslim lgbt community with those comments and any support that he thought he was offering yeah, I think you can support the Muslim, the gay Muslim, the LGBTQ plus community of, of, of Islam in a different way than how uh, some people believe he was supporting them. There are other ways you can support us. There are other ways you can uplift our voices and and give us power, or or not even give us power, or just just to just leave us alone. There's just the very concept of coming out is an inherently Western idea. Why do you have to come out of the closet? And who put you there in the first place? You need to ask yourself, who put you there in the first place? Who created the closet is what you should ask. There's this concept in, in, in many Muslim countries. Oh, you know what? I take that back. Not many. I'm just going, I can't speak for all of Islam. That's, that's incorrect. So I will say in my, in my community, you, you don't really talk about coming out of the closet. You just are because the closet was never put there in the first place. What do you mean by that? When I say what is the closet, when I say th- th- there was never a closet, that, to say coming out of the closet, you have to say, okay, you were, you were put into that closet in the first place, right? Who put you there? Why right. was there a closet? Who built the closet? For yeah. in my community, you don't have to come out because there was no closet in the first place. You can just be you and that's it. People will accept you. Now, I wish, I wish, it is my dream that this becomes the norm, but I'm telling you that this exists in so many Muslim communities, that there are no, there are no, like, coming out days because it's not needed for so many of them, because they live their lives without having to come out because they were never put in in the first place. In order to come out, you have to be put in somewhere in the first place, right? Yeah. What I'm telling you is that we were never put in anywhere in the first place. Only until we became we became slaves under oppressive regimes that are being propped up by countries that don't really care for our well-being. How was your experience coming out, uh, Sam? I know you said you were you're Palestinian. How was your experience? I mean, it was difficult because I grew up I grew up in in America, but. But hey, here I am studying at an Ivy League university on a Fulbright scholarship and well, speaking about being gay and proud and, and being Muslim and, and practicing Ramadan and writing op-eds. So I would say that I have become, that it's been a good experience. You never stop coming out in this country. That's, that, that's no. the thing. You don't just come out one day. You come out for the rest of your life here. Oh, we you cover that every day. Being coming out. Yeah. 
but I mean, but I mean, but as a counter though, I mean, how would how is it? How is the open gay scene in Palestine? I imagine it's a bit better in the U.S. No. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of. I don't know if you were being sarcastic, but <laughs> a little bit. There's a there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of um, gay activist groups there that are trying very hard to educate their communities. Yeah. However, you use the case study of Palestine, and that is an outlier because it is extremely hard to educate a community that is under occupation when they can't even move to the next village if they want to. So the case study of Palestine yeah. doesn't really help in that situation, but there are millions that are trying to change it and trying to educate people. And, so and I guess going to get back, back to your question. Yeah. Sorry. No, go, go ahead. ahead. So just going oh, no, back I to mean, your I... question of how was my gay coming out yeah. experience, I am accepted and people love me and I have a wonderful support system and I have built a foundation strong enough for me to... Um, to flourish, to become the man I always wanted to be. I love this country. Don't get me wrong. I I cannot wait to become an American citizen on paper because I have become an American in my heart, because I have been an American in my heart all my life. I want to run for politics. I want to run for a public office here so I can try to change this system. Yeah, I am it... a very proud and out gay man and and Muslim. I happen to be Muslim. I happen to be gay. I happen to be right. Palestinian. But there are so many of those identities that that create me. So many of those intersectionalities. And to right. use one of them is incorrect. You can't just use one. And that's that's basically my entire op ed. You cannot use one one small variable. You have to look at the bigger picture. And that's the problem. And that's why I wrote that op ed. To educate people, not to not to feign ignorance or offense or I don't have the luxury to be offended. <laughs> right. Palest they say Palestinians don't have the luxury of becoming angry. We don't have that luxury. We need to educate, and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to educate people with words. I'm trying to educate myself with school. Yeah, and I also don't think that we 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 definitely underestimate just the power of how much of a propaganda media arm you know how much that can influence the thinking of a population like if you live in one of these very restrictive middle eastern countries with restrictive state-controlled media that is pumping the state-controlled message that's the only thing a lot of people hear not too dissimilar from the united states where oh what would you know if you have a fox news network downplaying the coronavirus saying to take hydrochloroquine or inject yourself in disinfectants <laughs> if that's if that's the information you get every day you're going to wind up doing that stuff so it really is not all that different from a lot of the information channels we see happening here in this country as well i agree with you we need to look to our own borders if you want to change it up change it up in your own local community first and then move up move forward move from there but change your right. community first sue's so winning drag race this season who do you got more importantly <laughs> <laughs> now we get to the real question. <laughs> I yes, love that. Come Jackie on, Cox, honey. Yes, come on. She makes me so proud. <laughs> she makes me so proud. But to be honest, though, um, this season hasn't really been like my favorite. I am. I will forever be in love for with Valentina. And meeting Adore Delano has just given my life purpose. <laughs> How did that meeting? How did that meeting come about? I met her in Boys Town in Chicago. 
which is hilarious because she was she was just like there chilling with her friends and here I am like coming up to her and confessing my life story and telling her how she's such an inspiration for just being who she is and how wonderful she is and to continue doing what she what she wants to do and what she needs to do because I believe everyone has a purpose so once you find that purpose you go with it and I love that mad mad respect to them so awesome. going back to Jackie yeah. Cox her her um her show was amazing. She did a great job. That is the day that I relish. I relish having just a conversation on Jackie Cox's performance. That is what I want. That is the double standard here. And it was fierce. Her performance of Firework was it was great. I will yeah, say it that. <laughs> it was fierce. Uh, sorry. Great conversation. Thank you for coming on. Read the op-ed on Muslim.co. Hey, Jeff Goldblum. We'll use it on RuPaul's Drag Race is really Islamophobic. Uh, thank you for coming on the Sports Kiki, Sam. A really great conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a good day. Yes. And again, thank you all for listening. A special edition of the Sports Kiki podcast. We'll be back in our usual spot on Saturday.